Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. You are a personal God. And today as we talk about the theme of come Lord Jesus into my heart, help us to take a look inside ourselves. Help us to identify the things that are blocking that from completely happening. Help us to empty ourselves out of worldly things and to be filled more with your presence and to understand how this is done. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're continuing in a series called Come Lord Jesus, and today the focus is on into our hearts. And a focus verse for today is from Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is our heart? besides something that pumps blood through our our body. The heart is viewed as the seat where the intersection of your mind and your emotions come together. It's not just a small place within us, okay? It's total. Even as our physical heart keeps our whole body alive, so the heart that holds this intersection of thought and emotion, it affects every part of our being. And so the phrase, come Lord Jesus into our heart, is total, it's complete. Asking Jesus to take over every part of our life and to learn to love God, to love Jesus with the fullness of who we are. And the question is, you know, how do we do this? How do we do this? There's a lot of verses in scripture that talk about the heart. And I want to share some with you. The first question I have is, how do you know Jesus is in your heart? How do you know that he's there in the first place? Romans 10.9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How do you know that Jesus is in your heart? Well, if you believe that Jesus lived, that he died, that he rose, that means he is in you, okay? Because the way that happened was the Holy Spirit put faith into your life. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says, no one can say that Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit puts faith into our hearts, into our lives. It's a gift from God to us. It's by his grace, by his doing. The fact that we're saved has nothing to do with what we have done but everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. In spite of our sin, Jesus came to this sinful planet. And he came and he lived that perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. And the most important thing in life for us is to believe this. And if we believe it, we're saved. We're going to go to heaven. I can say this with certainty right now. That if you believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose, if you were, this is your last day on the planet, you're going to heaven, okay? We know he's there. But the question is, how much of our heart are we letting him possess? The next thing I want to show you is I'm going to call it a heart test from Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. And it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is that saying? Okay, this is a test for you. 
What do you think about the most? When you wake up in the morning, before you go to bed at night, if you wake up in the middle of the night, during the day, what occupies your thought process? And so often our mind is focusing on what's most important to us. And, and Jesus said you can't serve two masters. In fact, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, right? That nothing in life should be more important to us than our relationship with God. But here's a challenge. We struggle. The world's pulling at us. And so often we let other things occupy our heart. We have false gods. And so often they turn into addictions. And society knows how to play on this. The world's changing. The world's becoming busier. There's still 24 hours in every day like there was throughout all of history. But it seems like there's less hours, isn't there? I think back over the course of my lifetime, how, how things have changed. When I grew up, there were no sports on Sunday mornings. Now it's the number one sports day for kids and, and um, for travel teams and sport teams and for their dance and all different things. And we're having a whole generation of young people growing up without getting a foundation in God's word. For those that may like college football, I remember a time when the only time their college football games was on Saturdays. You can now, with all the gazillion channels and, and, and cable and satellite TV, they have foot, college football games when? Like almost every day of the week to feed on people's, maybe their addiction. That, you know, to think about that. You see, three and a half hours for a football game and some you know, people are watching every single day these three and a half hour games, sometimes back to back to back. I'm not saying college football is a bad thing, but if it becomes an addiction, what happens? Is that a great way to spend your time? Does your team always win? And we're just, we believe that things that are really not all that important are way more important than they should be. And they occupy places in our heart. And it affects us from having that deep relationship with God. I want you to see a, a diagram that's going to come up. The self-directed life. And so you see here, self is in the throne, the chair. And all those little dots are the parts of your life, the different things out there. And, and, but Jesus is there too, but he's just one of many things. See, for many people, it's like they go to worship on Sunday, and then see you next week, Jesus. And then all the other things take over. The self-directed life. And this is a life that, yeah, if a person believes in Jesus, yes, they're going to be saved, but... They're wondering, why, why is my life so empty? Why am I not finding satisfaction in these other things I'm doing? Why am I let down time and time again? There's only one who's going to fulfill the inner desire in your life as far as love and joy and peace, and that's Jesus, not the things of this world. So how do we clear out the clutter inside of us and to get Jesus on that chair instead of ourselves? The next thing I want to talk about is making room in your heart. From Matthew 13. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. God wants to heal us from the inside 
out. He wants our hearts, our minds, our life to be open for us to make room inside. I recently moved into a, um, a condo. And when I bought the place, it was a disaster. It was a foreclosed condo. There was holes in the walls. It was just a complete mess. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy this thing, but the price obviously was, was very good. Um, but I could see potential with it. And some of the things I could fix up myself, but I'm limited as far as what I can do. So I had to hire some people to, to come in and, and, um, and do certain things to, to, to make it the way it needed to be. Because I couldn't do it. And now I'm in it. It's, just, it's, it's like a brand new place. Our lives are kind of like that. You know, sin has ravished us from the inside out. There's some things, you know, that we can do to try to turn our lives around, but we're limited. There's only so much we can do. And God is saying his word here, I want to heal you. I want to fix you. I want to clean you up from the inside out. Just let me at it. Let me in. The question is, are we doing that? And how do we do that? I want you to take out a Bible. We're going to focus for a little bit on a psalm, Psalm 51. Grab one of the Bibles there and turn to page 889. 889. And this is a psalm that David wrote. And David is considered the greatest of all the kings. Was he always an upright person? Did he do everything right all the time? Let me tell you what he did one time. He stole one of his general's wives. He committed adultery with her. And ultimately to keep her for himself, he sent her husband, one of his generals, with his men to the front of the battle and ordered the rest of his soldiers pull back when the enemy attacked. So Uriah, this gal, Bathsheba's husband, and his men would what? Be killed. Is that a very nice thing to do? Pretty bad stuff. You know, how forgiving can God be? Something like that, you think, how could God forgive him for something so terrible? But eventually, we see that... that um, David's confronted by a prophet named Nathan. And he's confronted, he thought he was going to get away for these evil deeds he did, but eventually he's confronted, and he then, his heart just opens up. He realizes, I have really, totally, and completely messed up, and he realizes, I need to be cleansed, I need to be forgiven, I need to turn my life around, and the psalm was written right after he gets confronted. It tells us a lot about how to get cleaned from the inside out. Verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I want to point something out here. I think I've done it before, but I want to make sure you get this. For the Hebrew people, they viewed sin in a different way than we do. Okay, we think of sin as an action, right? Let me tell you, most of your sinning is not done in an action. Most of your sinning is done in your mind. And so for the Hebrew people, they had three words, sin, transgression, and iniquity. All three are used in those first two verses. And the sin is a thought process that goes on your mind. Before you actually carry something out, guess what you're going to do? Think about it. You think about it. And sometimes over and over again, eventually, you're going to do it. He's saying, forgive me for my messed up thinking. The next thing is transgression. The transgression for the Hebrew people was the act of doing the sin. 
So first you think about it, then it's an act of doing it. And so David's saying, forgive me for the, my messed up thinking, but also forgive me for the terrible things I did. Then there's iniquity. The iniquity is a cover-up. Because so often when we sin, what do we do? We try to hide it. We can't hide anything from God. And so David is asking for complete forgiveness. A confession is comprehensive. Forgive me for my messed up thinking, for the actions I did which are wrong, and for trying to cover it up. Do you see that? Complete confession. Not holding anything back. Then verse 3. For I know my transgression... And my sin is always before me. A realization in his heart, I've messed up. An honesty. Coming to terms with what you've done wrong. I think a lot of people in this world are in denial. They're living in addictive behaviors. It's like, I don't have a problem. i got everything under control. Well, their life is crashing down. Ever see people like that? Is that person sometimes you? And a realization. Realizing I have really messed up. I need help. Four, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. That when we sin, we're not just sinning against the people we hurt, we're sinning against who? A perfect, a holy God who does nothing wrong. See, sin is the opposite of love. And we're living outside the bounds of God when we sin. Five. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Incredible honesty. In fact, God calls David a man after his own what? Heart. God loved David's heart because here it's like, I have been messed up my whole life. Anybody else there? Anybody ask what to say from the time I've been young? Some people say, kids, children can't sin. Take two-year-olds and put them in a room with one toy, and you're going to see sin. It starts right away. Original sin. It plagues every one of us. And God wants us to be honest about it. Seven. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. He realized that God has a power and the ability to take away his sin to, to forgive him. He knows that. Do you know it? That God can wipe away all your sin? That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross for us. Eight nine. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. He knows he's not going to have joy, he's not going to have gladness until he receives what? The forgiveness of God. For those of you that grew up Lutheran, some of these words kind of ring a bell as far as remember the Matin service. Create in me a pure heart, O God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The nuke diminis. Aren't they beautiful words? Create me a what? A pure heart. This guy that completely messed up, make my heart pure. He knows he can't do it. You want a pure heart? There's only one who can do it for you. Who is that? That's God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He realizes too, the key to fill our lives, the key to let our seat of power inside of us be 
in the right place with the Holy Spirit in. Let God's Spirit dwell in us. Do not block out His Spirit. 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. How to respond to God's forgiveness for His grace? Serve others. Be a witness. He says, I'm going to let the world know about you again. I've, I've messed up. I want to turn my life around, and I want to be a servant for you. In 14, to the end. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing your praises. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. What does God want? He wants you. He wants us to humble ourselves. Sometimes the most difficult things we go through are some of the best things. They humble us. We realize that we're not in control. You see, all along, Jesus wants to be in control of your heart. And the more that we let him take the steering wheel, the better life gets, right? We know that, right? But we keep kind of, okay, I'm taking over, Lord. Give me the steering wheel back. And what happens then? Things start messing up, don't they? But we see from David the importance of confession, of of, of repenting. And and you know what? God forgave David. You're thinking, God could never forgive me for what I've done. Is anybody here guilty of of stealing somebody's wife and murdering all her ex-husband and all the guys that were working with that guy? That's pretty bad, huh? That's... God forgave him. God's more forgiving than people are. We turn to him, and with open hearts and through faith, he forgives us, and our sin is no more, and we're cleansed. But he wants us from there to let him dwell even more inside of us. A couple more verses. Pursuing God, being a disciple. This is from John 13. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, from John 13. How does a disciple look? You see, Jesus never said, go and make church members. He said, go and make what? Disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is different than a church member. A church member says, I go to church. A disciple says what? I go to the world. And I go out to share this love that Jesus has put in my heart. And I want that love to overflow to the people I see on a daily basis. That the key that God wants us to be on is to be people who show love to the world. What does the world need? What's needed out there, folks? One thing in particular, and that is love. And when you leave today, that you go to the restaurant that waiter or waitress that's waiting on you, love them. When you're driving around and you see people driving all over and they're kind of in your way and blocking you from where you need to get, love them. How do we view people in life? Are there obstacles in our way for us to get to where we need to be? Maybe there are people that God put there for you to what? Love. He wants to fill us with his love to the point where it's just flowing out of us. I did a seminar yesterday on witnessing. 
And for those that probably were looking for really strategic ideas on a witness, they're probably disappointed because the key I share is the very things I'm sharing with you. To love people. And when you love people and people see that, it's like, how do you get that? I want that. And we direct them to the source, which is Jesus. A couple more things. Letting him have all of us. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. He stands at the door of our heart. He's knocking and he's asking us to do what? Open the door. Let him in. Make room. On a daily basis. He's with us all the time. Are we letting him in? Are we letting him have every part of our existence? It's like, okay, God, you can have this part, but these parts over here, those are mine. Those parts we don't let him in, guess what? It's going to mess us up. He wants all of us. I shared a number of Christmas ago a story about a Christmas program at a church. This little boy, he was an innkeeper. And so Mary and Joseph come and they knock at the door of the inn and he comes out and says his line, I'm sorry, there's no room in the inn. And he closes the door. But it's an imaginary door. Okay? And he's watching Mary and Joseph walk away. And he comes back out and says, you can have my room. Completely messed up the, the skin as far as I was supposed to be. But the hardest boy, in fact, tears are coming down his eyes like, he's, you can have my room. I open up my house to you. I open up my heart to you. Are we letting Jesus do that? In closing, a couple of diagrams for you to see. On the far left is natural man. He's on, his ego's on the center of the throne, all the stuff in the inside, God's on the outside. Can you imagine living a life like that? Can you imagine going through challenges and difficulties without Jesus in your life at all? You know, rather than getting upset and angry at the secular people in this world, we should feel bad for what they're going through. And the more that we realize what we have and what they don't have, we should feel compassion and love that we want them to have that. The number two is the one you saw earlier where ego's on the throne, but Jesus is just one of many different hobbies. I guess you can almost say a part-time Christian. Unfortunately, it's the way it is for a lot of Christians in the world. They're going to go to heaven, but their lives are still miserable. Life gets exciting when Jesus is on the throne. And everything else is ordered around that. Everything flows through him. Your life's not going to be a roller coaster like it used to be. It's going to be a lot more level, a lot more even. And one last slide. There it is. Christ-centered, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Introduces others to Christ, effective prayer life, understands God's word, trusts, obeys. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is that how we want to be? And so in closing, I want you just to take a moment. I'm going to close in prayer, but before I say my part of the prayer, I want you to take a look inside your heart. And maybe there's some things that need to come out. Maybe some confessing, some repenting we need to do to open up our heart. And, and I want to encourage us, especially as we go through this, this month of December, to realize the key is we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, not to let the world take over. Let Jesus take over. Let him in. So take some time right now to talk to God, and I'll close in just a moment in prayer.
Lord Jesus, we look inside and we realize we've all sinned. We've all made terrible mistakes in our lives and the way we think and our actions we do and trying to cover up the sin from others. And we can hide nothing from you because you see everything. And Lord, we want to be honest with you about what's happening inside of us. And we ask you to not just take away our sins, but to purify our hearts, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, to inhabit every part of our being, to control our thoughts and our emotions, to fill us with love to the point of overflowing. Lord, we surrender to you. Come, Lord Jesus, into our hearts that we, in turn, will love you with our whole heart, that we will love our neighbors, that we will love the people in this world. Lord, help us as we go forth today to be love magnets, that your love is flowing from us and the people this world are going to be walking up to saying, how can I have some of that? Share with me how I can receive that same kind of love. And Lord, we pray that there will be an avalanche of love flowing from the sanctuary this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.